like that. What up, what up, Mr. Consistency like is back. back. Let's go for another episode of the Logan Blackman Show. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Blackman of the aforementioned Logan Blackman Show. Before we get into anything today, before we get into a single talking point today, I'm just going to start the show off with this. Make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on all sorts of different forms of social media. You got Twitter, Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. That's a personal account. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook account, the Logan Blackman Show. And of course, you're listening to it right now. Make sure you're following and or subscribed to the Apple Podcast and Spotify account and leave a rating on a five stars on both. I do not care, really, if you leave a five star rating, a one star rating, or a three star rating, or however, however you want, however many stars you want to give, feel free to give them. And then I believe on, well, you can on Apple Podcasts. I guess I'm not 100% sure how Spotify works and the whole rating system, but leave a description down below for why you feel the way you do, whether it's good or bad or whatever. And I found it kind of interesting. I looked at this the other day. I looked at it on an accident because I was trying to get it, <laughs> get the show uploaded, but we reached 15 ratings on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. I don't remember the last time we talked about this. I believe the last time I said, make sure we can get to 15 ratings. I believe we're, well, it makes sense if we were on 14, right? But I don't know if we were on 15 last time and we're trying to get to 20 or we're on 14 trying to get to 15. Either way, 15 ratings, very, very nice. I enjoyed that, so thank you for everybody that's left a rating on the show. If you haven't, again, make sure you leave a rating. Let's get that baby up to 20 ratings. 25-star ratings would be really cool. I could take a 4.9 rating because, like, if someone gives it a one-star rating but there's 15 five-star ratings... It's going to diminish it by a tiny bit. Not a lot, but a tiny bit. So let's try to keep it at 15. But I'm excited for this show. I got an idea from a YouTube video today. <laughs> so that'll be fun. And it's I didn't steal the idea. Okay? So before anybody goes, oh, Logan, this seems like a, you stole this idea. Someone had this exact same idea. Maybe they have. Maybe they have. But from the video I saw, I didn't even watch it. I just saw the thumbnail. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of fun. But let's get to that later. We'll get to that later. We got that to talk about. Some Madden ratings have been coming out. And Madden, I haven't played or bought a Madden in a little bit. I don't remember the exact... I think the last Madden I bought was the one with AB on the cover. Was that Madden 19? Or was that Madden 20? Either way, I didn't even mean to buy that. My friend and I were at <laughs> the GameStop on the south side of Des Moines. We were looking for a rock band. Rock Band 2. Which is the superior of the rock bands. And we were walking around, and I was like, oh, hey, did Madden come out today? Guy at the register was like, yeah, I did. And just for whatever reason, my brain kind of went neutral and was like, you know what? I'll buy that game right now. I'm going to get it right now. It was like the day or the day after it came out. I was like, oh, we're just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get it. I'm just going to get it. And I, I really shouldn't have because I hated it from the second that I bought it. And I don't know what happened to all these Madden games, but they have gone downhill drastically to where the point, I don't have any urge to buy a new Madden game. I don't really have any urge to buy one. Same thing goes for 2K. I loved playing 2K growing up. And then I don't remember what 2K it was, but it was the one where your, your my career started off in the pickup basketball league. I don't remember what game that was. I think it was 2018. I think it was the one with Kyrie on the cover when he went from the Cavs to the Celtics. I think it was that one. I think that was the last two. No, I bought 2K21 on Christmas because I was watching Christmas Day basketball. I was like, you know what? I kind of want to play this. Play for about a week. It was like, yeah, okay, this is why I haven't bought this forever. It was on sale. It was on sale. So it wasn't like I bought full price. And then after a week, I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. But man, 
my favorite game of all time, like sporting game. Like the people ask like all the time, what's your favorite individual Madden? What's your favorite NCAA game? What's your favorite two K? I don't remember the exact years for all those games. I just every year I bought a game or got a game, and it was like I'll just play it. I'm not really thinking about oh, I really enjoyed FIFA 14. I could have, I really could have. I just don't remember it. Like I remember 2K12, I believe it was, where Jameer Nelson, you could tap square. And he'd splash from three. Like, Jameer Nelson was unstoppable in 2K12. So that's one specific game I remember. But my favorite sports video game of all time is ESPN 2K5. NFL. ESPN NFL 2K5 with Terrell Owens on the cover. That game was awesome. I don't remember what year I got it because back in the day when I had my PlayStation 2, we would go... <laughs> we don't really, You don't really do this now. But back in the day... That you'd go to GameStop and they had the bargain bin. And you just look through there and go find the games that were somewhat like looked interesting. And that was one of the games that was in there. Like I got Guitar Hero Aerosmith from that. And the only reason I even got Guitar Hero Aerosmith is because with my I was with my dad and they had run DMC on it. So we got <laughs> Guitar Hero Aerosmith. But that's going through the bargain bin at GameStop, or it wasn't really a bin. It was not like the movies that you see at like Walmart or Target or something. Like you could get this movie for five bucks. And it's just Bins that were <laughs> poured into there. Now, they're organized to certain, to some extent. And I got this game out. And I was like, oh, this looks fun. And it was awesome. The halftime show was awesome. And then you could go to my crib and you could play like different celebrities. The one I remember specifically from that game was Steve-O. Because I liked playing Steve-O. Because I knew who he was. I don't remember who the other people in the game were. Like for the celebrities. But I just remember love in that game. Love in that game. And they had one of the new Rydell Revolution helmets in there, too. So it was like, oh, we're upgrading stuff. My least favorite sports game of all time is Madden 06 on the Game Boy Advance. Now, if you still have a Game Boy, or if you had one in the past, I just hope and pray that you never got a Madden or a football game on a Game Boy. It is the most unplayable game of all time. You're just doing mini games. You can't play an actual game because the ball, when you throw it, it's going to be incomplete every single time. And you can make... Now, this was kind of fun in this game. I shouldn't say it was all bad. But at least in the, the Game Boy version. You could trade anybody for anybody. And I mean anybody. So, like, with the Buffalo Bills at that time, they had J.P. Lossman as their quarterback. And Travis Henry at running back. Travis Henry's a good running back. Willis McGahee was there as well. Like, the Bills had some good players at that point. But, man, you want LaDainian Tomlinson. You want Mike Vick. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm trading the worst-rated player on the team for Mike Vick straight up, and for whatever reason, it's getting accepted. Any player you wanted, didn't matter what number they were, like what position they were, you didn't need to, you, you could trade whatever the hell you wanted. Now, I know for the dude on Twitter that said Zach Evans is better than Danian Tomlinson, you cannot trade for Zach Evans in that game. Danian Tomlinson is a 99 overall in that game. If Zach Evans is a 99 overall in Madden at some point, good on him. Now, I, I shouldn't. Okay, this <laughs> I should correct myself before I get too too deep into this. I like Zach Evans. Okay, he's one of the top running backs in this upcoming draft class. He plays for Ole Miss right now. He's going to be one of the top backs in this upcoming draft. But he ain't close to Danian Tomlinson. Let's just get that out of the way. Let's just I just I may I know I got a little heated. I mean, when you're talking about your favorite player of all time getting compared to a dude that played two years at a college that even rushed for over 650 yards one time. It's kind of like 
you're being disrespectful to the, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Don't be disrespectful. Like, you can like your guy, but there's a point where you go, okay, really? Really? So that was kind of the situation we were in there. But, like, LaDainian Tomlinson, you get him a Madden 06, you just run the ball. And you'd sim it. You couldn't even play it. It was so unplayable. You had to just sim the game. And I remember the Bengals had all black uniforms in the game. But best game of all time to me, because I wasn't very good at Call of Duty or any of those games. I had a PlayStation, so I couldn't play Halo and all those stuff. Like, Forza, I think, was an Xbox game as well. So I couldn't do those unless I went to my friend Johnny's house, who we brought up on Monday. Tom, Johnny, and I would go out to his house, play Army of Two, Kung Fu Panda, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, 1v1 at Rust, whatever. And sometimes play Mad 10 with Larry Fitzgerald, Troy Palomalo in the front. But my favorite game of all time, bang! NFL ESPN 2K5. I also really liked NBA 2K5 ESPN with Ben Wallace on the cover. That was an awesome game as well. That is the best year for sport games ever. I think it was ESPN 2K5 for with the one with Ben Wallace on the cover. It had to be. ESPN 2K5. Yes. Okay. The 2K5 games. ESPN 2K5. Men or NFL and NBA. Best sports games of the year. Like, you could not have a run like that. Like, they've created two of the greatest sporting games of all time in one year. You can never say that right now. Like, FIFA's not even going to be a thing in two years. They're going to have EA Sports going to have their own thing. Like, Pez folded. So... I don't know. It's just always fun. But favorite games, those 2K games were at least favorite game, Madden 06 on the Game Boy. But man, we're not even starting off with that. <laughs> I just want to, like, video games are just fun to talk about. They're just very, very fun to talk about. But the thing I wanted to start off with, we'll get to the video games next, but I feel like this is the most important thing to start the show off with, <laughs> even though we did just talk about video games. Deshaun Watson's situation is heating up again. Like, there was stuff that popped up yesterday. There was stuff that popped up today. And <laughs> Deshaun Watson, the NFLPA, will look to sue the NFL in federal court if, the, if he is suspended for the season. Now, that was yesterday. And today, the intent of Deshaun Watson to sue over sue over a full season suspension never became, never may never become reality. The current thinking is that Judge Robinson's punishment will land somewhere in the range of two to eight games. Two to eight. Now, this is what we talked about on Monday. The NFL, if it's anything, it's inconsistent on everything. There's no reason the gambling punishment should range the same as sexual assault allegation. And that doesn't that doesn't equal that's not the same thing. Especially when he made a fifteen hundred dollar bet. It wasn't like he was betting big money or if he was even playing. Calvin Ridley sat out. He wasn't betting on games he played in. He was literally sitting out the season. And he's suspended for an entire season now. And Sean Watson has 24 to 26 sexual assault allegations, and he's going to sue the NFL. He's suspended for a year. And the people that were defending it on Twitter were basically like, oh, he sat out last year. Yeah, but that was his own doing because he didn't want to play for the Texans. That had nothing to do that, oh, yeah, uh, before you suspend me, I'm just going to suspend myself. There. That's not how it works. Like, if you're in trouble when you're a kid, you're just going to go up to your room. Yeah, you're still going to get in trouble. Just because you went up to your room by yourself does not mean you're not going to get in trouble later. Like, Deshaun did not want to play for the Texans. He would not have gone, oh, man, you're going to suspend me for a year? Suspend me, suspend me from the team that I don't want to play for? Like, you cannot... I'm not saying Deshaun Watson's innocent or guilty in this entire situation. Okay? 
Because I do, there's the whole innocent till proven guilty thing. It's the allegations part. Because the NFL has suspended players for way less allegations than what Deshaun Watson has at his table right now. And I looked this up just to make sure I got it exactly right. Ben Roethlisberger was suspended six games for one allegation. Six games for one. We're talking about two to eight for 24 to 26 allegations. That doesn't, that's not the same thing. So you would think at this point the minimum suspension would be a year, and the fact that he's talking about suing the NFL over it is crazy to me. And I like Deshaun Watson as a player. I, I've said numerous times Deshaun Watson, when he's playing, is a top 10, top 5 quarterback in the NFL. I have no issue with saying that. But when you look at the other suspensions that have taken place over the, the history of the NFL, specifically when Roger Goodell has been the, general, the, the commissioner of the league, Everything doesn't make sense. There's nothing that makes sense in this league in regards to suspensions. Calvin Ridley's gambling suspension for $1,500 when he was not playing should not equal 26 to 24 to 26 sexual assault allegations or be greater than. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't care if he's guilty or innocent or whatever at this point. The NFL has, it's an allegation. I can almost guarantee, now I'm not going to sit here and defend Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to do that at all. I can almost guarantee there aren't 24 to 26 liars in that whole situation. Settlements outside of court is different than he's being innocent. Those are two totally different things. Like settlements and innocence are not the same. <laughs> so people trying to make the the combination of the two and going, well, he settled out of the courts. So that means he innocent. No. No. He just gave forward the mo- enough money to go, yeah, they're not going to press anything anymore. And Deshaun Watson got $230 million. So I don't think he's really struggling for money at this point. Which is still one of the funniest trades in NFL history given all the things that have taken place <laughs> since the trade happened. Ah, man. But yeah, this Deshaun, this Deshaun Watson thing is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And the Browns have been like a, they've been a target for interesting things. Like we said the other day, ever since they came back in 1999, the Browns have been a laughing stock of an organization. They made the playoffs twice in what 23 years, two times 23 years. Like the Bills had an 18-year playoff drought and have still made the playoffs more times than the Browns had in those 23 years. <laughs> Like, it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. So we'll see. We'll keep tabs on this Deshaun Watson situation. Because, again, when the dude's playing, there is no way you can actually compare Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson. When they are just, we're talking about just the players. There's no way you can compare them. They're not close. Deshaun Watson has more talent in his left pinky than Baker Mayfield has in his whole body. There's just a lot of things off the field that I'm assuming Baker Mayfield would not do or has not done that Deshaun Watson allegedly has done. Because, again, I don't know the situation. I can't say he's innocent or guilty. So all I can go off is what the information we are given, which is there are 24 to 26 sexual assault allegations. Other players have been suspended more time for one allegation than it seems like Deshaun will get suspended for 24 to 26. We're talking two games? 
two? Brady got suspended four for deflate gate. And that was a game they blew out the Colts. Like, obliterated them. The deflated balls had nothing to do with the Patriots absolutely blasting the Indianapolis Colts in that playoff game. For deflated footballs, he got four. And the minimum suspension we're talking about for Sean Watson is two. Again, the inconsistencies in revolving around the, the NFL in regards to suspensions is craziness. And people have their opinions about Roger Goodell anyways. People not Roger Goodell is not a very popular person. Until Rob Manfred started opening his mouth about the Astros cheating scandal and saying he's not going to punish the players on the Astros, he's going to punish the players on the other teams that throw pitches at the Astros players because the commissioner doesn't have the balls to suspend them or take away the trophy or do anything called the World Series a piece of metal. Until Rob Manfred started opening his mouth, Roger Goodell was the least popular commissioner in all of sports. But now he's number two because Rob Manfred has cemented his case as the number one guy. But, like, come on. There's got to be some sort of consistency here. I know Deshaun Watson's a very popular player. I understand that. I like Deshaun Watson as a player. I have no issue with Deshaun Watson as a player. Do put up career numbers in his last year in the league. But, come on. <laughs> like, if this was Josh Allen, I'd be saying the exact same thing. If this was any other quarterback in the NFL, I'd be saying this exact same thing. Like, keep the suspensions consistent, at least. One sexual assault allegation equals six games for Ben Roethlisberger. 24 to 26 equals two to eight. Deflated footballs equals four. Gambling equals 17. Like, if we're talking about the severity of the crimes committed here, the gambling is the least worrisome crime out of all of this. He wasn't playing. It had no effect on any game that Calvin Ridley was in because he wasn't there. And gambling's not a crime. So it's <laughs> it's like we got one that potentially, because I know there's a lot of people that dislike Tom Brady. I dislike Tom Brady. He's 33-3 and three against the Buffalo Bills in my lifetime. So yes, I don't really have a soft spot for Tom Brady. But I think sexual assault allegations is greater than deflated footballs and gambling but then you get stuck in the situation of the NFL already set the precedent well now we gotta suspend we can't go well Deshaun Watson's now got to get suspended for a year then everybody will come out of the woodwork and say well Ben got suspended six why is Deshaun a year so the NFL is just a freaking mess when it comes to handing out suspensions handing out fines and stuff like that the NFL makes absolutely no sense I've said numerous times it's the biggest league in the world it's the most uncancelable league in the world. But that does not mean that they are not stupid. Like, mind-numbingly stupid when it comes to this kind of stuff. Two to eight games. Four for deflated football, six for one. Two to eight for 24. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. But let's move on. And we talked about this a little bit with the Browns. Being like this big old laughing stock of an organization. They've been this way for a very, very long time. For 23 years. Which now makes me feel old. Like, I was at the lake on Saturday. And <laughs> was me. I brought, I brought up Tom three times. But I was with Tom on Saturday with his dad and his dad's girlfriend and her kids. And we're sitting there talking. There's this 11-year-old there. And he didn't know who, like, any of the players that we grew up watching were. 
Like, you grew up in the state of Iowa. I don't care what age you are. You should know who Ricky Stanzi is. This dude's 11, had no idea who Ricky Stanzi was. He was not even born when Iowa won the Rose, the Orange Bowl. Like, that's crazy to me. I was 13 years old when this kid was born. I was entering middle school. <laughs> like, I have cousins that are younger than, like, around that age. But they don't watch sports. This kid was watching sports. He didn't know who Danian Tomlinson was. Like, he didn't know who any of these players. We rattled off a huge list of players. All of our favorite players we grew up watching. And <laughs> he didn't know any of them. So when I say 23 years is old, yeah, I mean that. I just watched the Home Run Derby last night. Juan Soto's 24. Julio Rodriguez is 21. They're both younger than me. At least I think Juan Soto is, at least. Well, I know her, Rod- Julio Rodriguez is. Oh, okay. yeah. No, Juan Soto's a year younger than me. So I got both of them that are... Juan Soto's younger than me. Julio Rodriguez is younger than my sister. Like, that makes me feel old. I just, they have no idea who I am, and I am talking about them right now. They have no idea who I am. Not even a thought crossed their mind about this dude in Iowa that makes a podcast. He has. They have absolutely no idea who I am. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But in those 23 years of existence, the Browns had some terrible moments. They've had some really bad moments. The Tim Couch thing didn't work out, especially when you hear about that the Browns are trying to pick between Tim Couch and Achilles Smith. Like, you weren't winning that battle regardless. But I think Tim Couch had the better opportunity to, like, was better quarterback than Achilles Smith. But you passed over Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb, who is by far better than both of them. I think it's been pretty obvious. They could have drafted Sean Watson originally in 2017, traded back draft to Sean Kaiser. The guy was a holder at Notre Dame. You hired Freddie Kitchens as a head coach after firing Hugh Jackson. You kept Hugh Jackson on the staff for two years, went 131-1. and How the hell was he on the staff for two years? Two and a half. However long it was. It was too long. How do you make it out of a 1-15 and 0-16 season? Not many coaches make it out of 1-15, yet he made it out of 0-16. And speaking of that 0-16, this is where I stole, I stole or... Uh, rectified this idea that I saw on YouTube. So on YouTube, when I when I eat lunch, I scroll on YouTube, go through the recommended page, and I, I do this throughout the day anyways. It's how I pass the time to watch YouTube videos. And I don't know how or why this popped up on my recommended page, but it was bad songs on great albums or great songs on bad albums. So the one that I saw today was great songs on bad albums. So what we're going to do, <laughs> speaking of the Browns and how bad they've been, is look at some of the, the, the best players, the best player, one player, who was the best player on the worst teams in NFL history. So I looked up an article from Bleacher Report, which we've bashed Bleacher Report articles before, like numerous times, they make a lot of really stupid articles. There's an article from a few years ago that said, one day we'll all look back and all be looking for the next EJ Manuel unironically said that at the end of the article. Unironically. So I have my, and their trades are ridiculous. Like, when they do NFL and NBA trades, garbage trades. But these are apparently, according to Bleach Report, Kerry Miller, this is posted on May 3rd, 2020, the 10 worst teams in NFL history. 
Now, I want to start it off with this one team because they're not on the list, surprisingly, and I feel like they have to be on the list because they were the first 0-16 team in NFL history. That's the 2008 Detroit Lions. How do you have the team that was the first ever to do it not be on the list? And there's some bad teams in NFL history, don't get me wrong. 0-16. There was not a team in the, before the, the Lions that did that. There was 0-14. There was Owen however many games. There was never Owen 16. Never. And the other thing that kind of surprised me on this as well, there's no expansion Bucks on here. Like the expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not talking about the 80s. Like the 1986 Tampa Bay Buccaneers on here. There's the there's this 1976 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe it was. The first year of their existence. It went Owen 14. How is that team like Archie Manning, when they played them the next year, said it would be a disgrace to lose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won two games in their first two years. Both of those wins came the last two weeks of the regular season in 1977. So they went 0-26 over a two-year stretch until they beat the Saints and then beat the Cardinals. How are they not on this list? Like This is, again, what I have issues with with Bleacher Report. But to their, to their uh, what do you want to call it, their defense, I guess, there's a lot of terrible teams in NFL history. But I think if you're looking at the most terrible teams in NFL history, how do you not have the 08 Lions, the first ever 0-16 team in NFL history, or the 76-77 Buccaneers who went 0-26? Like, how is that not in here? Like, I believe that's the longest losing streak in NFL history. 26 games. And I think the Jaguars were close to it this year. Like on the U.S. soil or something. I don't remember exactly what the, the stretch was, but they were atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. But I don't know how you can't have either one of those teams on there. Like, this is their schedule. Here was what they are. <laughs> this is what they looked like. In their first year of existence, 1976. 20-0, 23-0. So you lost your first two games by a combined score of 43-0. That's awesome. One of those games at home. Then, two weeks later, he lost 42-17 to to the Colts, 21-0 to the Bengals, 48-13 to to the Broncos, 34-0 to the Jets, 24-7 to the Browns, 49-16 to the Raiders, 42-0 to Pittsburgh, and 31-14 to the Patriots. And this ain't like... They're not close games. They're bad. How is this team not anywhere on this list? It doesn't. You have to have them on here. <laughs> There's no reason that this atrocity of a team should not be mentioned on here. And like, there's good players on these two teams, the Lions and the Buccaneers. Like Leroy Selman is the best player on this Buccaneers team. The 76 Bucks, Leroy Selman, Hall of Famer, defensive end, D tackle, whatever. His brother Dewey Selman was also one of the best players on this team as well. But you have to have this team on there. <laughs> you have to have the 76, 77 bucks somewhere on there. Like Steve Spurrier sucked <laughs> in Tampa Bay. Steve Young wanted to die in Tampa Bay. He went to the, ex the USFL to play for the LA for Los Angeles Express, I believe was their name. And it had to come back and then get destroyed until Bill Walsh said, hey, give us Steve Young. 76, 77 bucks have been mentioned on there. 
And then the 08 Lions, the first ever 0-16 team in NFL history. Calvin Johnson, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, so, yeah, that he's <laughs> very good player. And I think what's funny about the 08 Lions, the really funny thing about the 08 Lions. So, for those of you who are unaware, Drew Henson. Oh, wait, no, I got the wrong year set up. Hold on. Hold on. Ah, it was a year off. So, I was going to say Drew Henson, was he started above Tom Brady at Michigan. He went 0-16, the Patriots went 16-0. But the Patriots went 16-0 in 07. But this is the year Dan Orlovsky ran out of the back of the end zone. Like, this bad team. This is a terrible football team. Like, Cliff Averill, fine player. Decent player. Had a nice career. Somewhat decent career with the Seahawks. Like, J- Jason Hansen. Like, we're, we're really... We're scratching, we're reaching here if we're starting to go. The kicker might have been one of the best players on the team, but Nick, Jason Hansen really was. He was a longtime servant at the Detroit Lions, played 20 years with the Lions. John Kitna, your quarterbacks are Drew Henson, Dante Culpepper, Dan Orlovsky, and Drew Stanton. Jerome Felton might have been one of the better players as well, fullback. Rudy Johnson, remember him on the Bengals? He was on this 0-16 team. Made a Pro Bowl in 2004. But to, in my mind, when I think of terrible teams, the 76 Bucks and the 08 Lions are the first, usually the first two of the teams I think of. And then I think of the 2017 Browns, which we'll get to the Browns in a little bit. They're not, we'll start at number 10 and we'll work our way down. So number 10 on this list, according to Bleach Report, according to Kerry Miller, is the 86 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An 86 Buccaneers team that won two games. That won two games. They drafted Bo Jackson number one overall. He did not want to play. <laughs> so Bo Jackson sat out and got drafted in like the seventh round by the Oakland Raiders like a few years later because he went to go play baseball. So he did not want to play for the Bucks. But they had Steve Young at quarterback. So this was the time when Steve Young was there. So he is the best player on this team. Steve Young, I've talked about numerous times, the most underrated legendary quarterback in NFL history. I don't feel like he gets talked about enough or people go, don't sing his praises enough. Like Steve Young followed, get, had... The most difficult task in NFL history following Joe Montana. And it wasn't like Cam Newton following up Tom Brady. Like, Joe Montana was Sanford's. Like, Steve Young was there. Steve Young was nipping at the heels. They did not like Steve Young. Like, why are you pressing Joe Montana? Joe Montana is God out in San Francisco. And Tom Brady's God in New England, yes. But there was nobody to really hate there in New England. And Cam Newton just sucked. And Steve, that's what usually happens. You have a legendary quarterback leave. Next guy comes in. He sucks. Jim Kelly left the Bills. They had a mixture of Todd Collins, Rob Johnson. So it wasn't like the Bills after Jim Kelly left. The Dolphins. Who the hell replaced Dan Marino? Does anybody know that? Because I sure as hell don't remember who replaced Dan Marino. Dan Feeler. That was a few years later. John Elway. Who replaced John Elway? Was it Jake Plummer? But was he, or was he in Carol or Arizona at the time? It's hard to replace a legend. Like the only two quarterbacks I can think of that were successful in replacing legend were Steve Young and Aaron Rodgers. Both won Super Bowls after their legend left. Aaron Rodgers had Brett Favre. Steve Young had Joe Montana. Joe Montana won a Super. Steve Young won a Super Bowl, won MVP, and all that stuff. But yeah, it, Steve Young is the best player on this team. Is there any other players that we could really look at? And go, oh yeah, this guy was also pretty decent. 
Um, not really. <laughs> not that I, unless I'm just completely, I don't want to click on every single individual name and go like, oh yeah, I forgot who this guy was. But Steve Young easily, yeah. And I'm pretty sure he he was the, yeah, he was team MVP. Steve Young was. So, yeah, the Bucks 2-14, and 14, you look at their schedule, uh, they beat the Detroit Lions and the Buffalo Bills. Again, at that time, that's not a very big accomplishment. <laughs> the Bills were beating themselves at the time. But you're looking at attendance for that Bills-Bucks game, 32,000 in Tampa Stadium. The Sombrero. The Sombrero held <laughs> when it was, you know, at its peak, held 74,000. At this point, the max attendance for the Bucks in this season was 50,000. They weren't selling this thing out at all. But, like, again, they got, they allowed, <laughs> wow, four straight games with 30-plus points. <laughs> Five out of six games with 30-plus points in a row. That's bad. Like, they're, I'm not saying that this is, like, a good team or anything, but the 76 bucks, I feel like you got to, <laughs> you got to. You got to. But I guess the, Bleach reports using this because they traded Steve Young for a Jenny Testaverde and all that stuff. And I heard a story of Jenny Testaverde was actually colorblind. So that might be the reason he threw all those interceptions down in Tampa. But number nine on this list is the 17 Cleveland Browns, the second ever team in NFL history to go 0-16. The season before, they went 1-15. Like, towards the end of the season, they beat the Chargers. Like, you go 1-31. You, you <laughs> How are you not higher on this list? How are the Lions and the Bucks, who went 26 games losing straight, Browns 1-31, Lions 0-16, first team ever to do it. How are they not higher on this list? And the, the other two teams I mentioned, outside the Browns, not even on the list. But the best player on this team, by far, is Miles Garrett. It's not even really close. Miles Garrett joined the 99 club. We'll talk about Miles Garrett here in a little bit in the Madden rankings. But Sean Kaiser started 16 games this season. Why? <coughs> I'll tell you why. The other quarterbacks on the roster were Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan. That is why dude started 16 games. They didn't have another quarterback. Now, you had a chance. I'm sure they're fine with Miles Garrett, but you had a chance to draft Mahomes or Watson. You had a chance to draft Watson again later. You traded the pick that was used to select Deshaun Watson. Now you gave up however many first-round picks <coughs> to get Deshaun. So, craziness. Was there any other players that are Josh Gordon was really good for a tiny bit? Like, Josh Gordon, when he was on, dude was on, on. His second year in the league had 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns. He only played 14 games. Like, that dude balled out. Christian Kirksey was a good player. Joe Schobert's a good player. J.C. Treader, Kevin Zeitler. Like, this team, when you look at this team compared to the 76 Bucks and the 08 Lions, are we really sure that this team is the worst out of those? They had Joe Tom. I forgot about Joe Thomas. They had Joe Thomas on this team too. Jamie Collins was on this team. Now he was. Those two were on IR. Like they had some close games. They took the Packers to overtime. They took the Titans to overtime. Lost to the Steelers by combined what seven points? No, yeah, seven points combined. 21-18 and 28-24. Lost to the Colts by three. Lost to the Jets by three. Lost to the Titans by three. They lost to the Chargers by nine. Lost to the Packers in overtime by six. Like, I don't really know if this team 
is worse than Lions. Like, I remember feeling pain when I watched the Lions. I remember physically feeling sick watching the Lions. Like, this Browns team, we already named off some decent players. Like, again, Miles Garrett, Josh Gordon, Joe Thomas, Jamie Collins, Kirksey, Schobert, Treader, Zeitler, Joel Batonio, who's an all-pro now. Like, they had some decent players. They just didn't have a quarterback. But they were bad. I'm not going to say. I mean, they're 0-16. 0-16. Hugh Jackson, terrible coach. 41 turnovers, 13 forced. So that's terrible turnover margin. So I understand that. But, yeah, the 0-16 teams. Out of those three teams we mentioned, are the Browns really the worst one? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. And then we got the 1954 Washington Commanders. Like, this team's so old that I couldn't even find a Wikipedia page for them. But they went 3-9. and nine. They had a college football record. At least they won three games. Every team in our top seven finished this season with their 0-1 win. So why the hell are the Washington Redskins in this list? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is I don't get this. Because the losses were so hideous. So let's look at the schedule. Okay. Oh, yeah, they're pretty bad. Forty-one-seven, <laughs> 31-7, 31-21, 49-21, 24-7. Then they beat the Colts. And they lost 62-3 the very next week. And they beat the Steelers. And they lost 38-16. Lost the Eagles closely by a touchdown. Or eight points. Lost the Browns 34-14 and then beat the Cardinals 37-20. Is this forced turnover or is that total turnovers? They had seven turnovers in one game. Seven turnovers against the Browns or against the Cardinals. That has to be turnovers forced, right? That can't be how bad they actually were. Was is it? Were they really that bad? <laughs> oh my god. I mean they forced turnovers. They really did. I mean, Dick Alban got nine interceptions. So I don't know. He didn't return one for a touchdown though, so maybe maybe he's Maybe he is terrible. I don't get what. So I'm confused on the. Uh, and while it didn't include the 76 bucks because it was their first year in league, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're your first year in the league. If you're bad, you're bad. You're very, very bad. But Albon is the best player on this team. Dude had nine interceptions for the Cleveland for the freaking 1954 Washington Commanders. Oh man, Hugh Taylor led the league and led the team in scoring on forty-eight total points. So I guess he has to be mentioned up there as well. Who are the quarterbacks of this team? Al Doro, Jack Scarbath, Harry Gilmer, Charlie Justice, and Vic Janowitz. Now I know the last three I mentioned were not quarterbacks, but they did throw the football at some point. But yeah, I those are bad. But man, again. Again, the, I don't care if it's their first year in existence. They still sucked. They're still terrible. You don't get sympathy points for being terrible. Next one, you got the New York Giants, 1966 New York football Giants. The Giants played the NFL championship six times from 1956 to 1963. For the better part of the decade, they were one of the best teams in the league. But for the first year in the AFL-NFL World Championship, soon to be known as the Super Bowl, they were catastrophic. There was a catastrophe. 
They even lost a double digits to Atlanta Falcons team, a 9-0 expansion team, 0-9 expansion team that was barely even competitive unit up until that point. The 1966 Giants field to arguably the worst defense ever. They wanted three teams in NFL history to allow at least 500 points in a season. And there we go. The 08 Lions are on there. <laughs> and they're not even on this list. 35.8 points per game this team allowed. They tied week one 34 to 34. Lost the very next week 52 to 7. <laughs> oh, man. They tied the Steelers week one. They had four out of their first five games played on the road. That's tough. That's really tough. I mean, they were competitive and so like they'd allow a lot of points. Like they scored 41 against Washington and allowed 72. <laughs> scored 40 against the Browns, allowed 49. Like they scored a decent amount of points, weirdly, but Earl Morrill is probably the best player on this team. He won the Super Bowl with the Colts. Or uh yeah, yeah, he won the Super Bowl with the Colts. In 1968, he played over Johnny Unitas. They beat the New York Giants in that Super Bowl, actually. Johnny Unitas was hurt. They brought Earl Morrill in. And he also started every game, or almost every game for the 72 Dolphins, but didn't start in the Super Bowl. He was uh, he was 11-0 for uh, the Miami Dolphins 72, and they started Bob Grease in the Super Bowl. Interesting fact. If you did not know that, you're welcome. But he is probably the best player on this team, at least from the players that are listed on this. There, I don't, there's this not, this whole roster is like, they got two corners and three linebackers. I don't really think that they have three quarterbacks. I don't think this is the the roster that we're looking for here. Playoff finish did not qualify. Eight in the NFL Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the, the, yeah, that team's bad. But Earl Morrill, I don't know if that's a good thing if Earl Morrill is being your best player. <laughs> but he wasn't a bad player. I don't want to take it, say Earl Morrill was a terrible, terrible player. Uh, the Colts, 1991 Indianapolis Colts, are at number six. They went 1-15. Despite boasting Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickerson and a quarterback who was taken number one overall in 1990, Jeff George, this offense was all sorts of awful. Colts averaged only 234.3 yards and 8.9 points per game. The 92 Seahawks are the only other team that averaged fewer than 10 points a game in a 16-game season. Were it not for a narrow victory over the Jets, the Colts might have not might have ended number one on here. It's 1-15. This is Mick, Rick Meyer and Rick Venturi, Ron Meyer and Rick Venturi as the head coaches here. So, yeah, Eric Dickerson's the best player on this team, easily. I mean, Hall of Fame running back, the all-time leading rusher for a season in NFL history. Jeff George, uh, a better quarterback than what he gets a lot of credit for. I'm not saying he was a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. He, he burnt out with a lot of organizations he was with. Every single organization he ever signed for, there was some sort of drama involved. Like, very, not a very smart player, but had a sick tash. Sick, sick tash. But once he left Indianapolis, like, he had four seasons where he threw over 23 touchdowns. Like, it's not, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination, but he wasn't terrible, terrible quarterback. I mean, he lasted 11 years in the league, was a starter for most of it. He wasn't terrible. Like, he had 23 touchdowns, 12 picks. He had, again, 1997 in Oakland, 29 touchdowns, 9 picks, 3,900 yards, led the league. 4,100 yards in 1995 with the Falcons, 24 touchdowns, 11 picks. Like, not ter- he was not as terrible as what a lot of people make him out to be. Now, in fairness, he did not reach anywhere near the levels of what people were expecting of him when he came into the league. Number one overall pick, cannon arm, one of the best throwing motions of all time, one of the best arms of all time in NFL history just couldn't really put it all together to sustain that hype that he had going into the NFL 
Didn't work out with the Colts, but he had success in other organizations. Um, other players that are on this list, uh, Ray Donaldson is on this list. Played for the Cowboys, won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys. Um, who else is on here that would be a player worth mentioning? Tony Saragusa, RIP Tony Saragusa, won a Super Bowl with one of the greatest defenses of all time, the 2000 Ravens. I didn't even know he played for the Colts in 1991. I didn't know he was that old. I didn't know he played that long in the league. He drafted in 1990. Wow. I did not. I was not aware of that. Brian Baldinger was on this team as well. Looking at some of the defensive backs. But, yeah, Eric Dickerson's easily the best player on this team. But, again, Jeff George, not as terrible as what everybody made him out to be. Now we got the 1973 Oilers. They went 1-13. Despite going 1-13 in back-to-back years, the Oilers didn't have a single pick in the first three rounds of 74 draft. Ooh, that's just a consistent theme in Houston, ain't it? They traded away the number one overall pick in their third-round pick for two guys, Toddy Smith and Billy Parks, who didn't amount to much. And the guy that the guy whom the Dallas Cowboys took with the number one pick, Ed Tutal-Jones, was a three-time Pro Bowler who could have helped them immensely. Now, Ed Tudor-Jones is not a Hall of Famer or anything, but he was a good player when he played for the, the Dallas Cowboys. They got John Moochsack from Tampa. Drafted him. He was an offensive tackle. Or did not offensive, <laughs> offensive tackle. Defensive end. I don't know why I said that. Is Mike Munchak the offensive line coach? Mun, Munch, 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 Munchak. He's an offensive line coach, right? I think that's what my brain was going to. Oh, and he played off, He played guard. He played guard for the Oilers. So you know what? Screw you. I'm taking the I'm taking the dub on that one. I'm taking the dub on that one. Dan Pastorini is on this. We got Lynn Dickey on here, another NFL quarterback that lasted in league for quite some time. Played for the Packers for a little bit. Nothing special, but just a, a name that I recognize on here. Ooh, Dave Parks. I feel like he was a... Yeah, Dave Parks could be mentioned up there, but I think Dan Pastorini is probably the main guy you're going to look at here. Anybody on the off the line? Is Bruce Matthews playing at this time? Bruce Matthews played for freaking ever. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I know he did not play on this team, but it wouldn't surprise me. But Dan Pastorini's probably the guy you're looking for. One of, I think, three NFL drafts to have quarterbacks go in the first three picks. You got Jim Plunkett, Archie Manning, and Dan Pastorini. And then you had Couch McNabb, Killy Smith. Then you had Lawrence Wilson, Lance. I think those are the three. There might be one before that, but I, I think those are the three. But Dan Pastorini, not an amazing NFL quarterback, made only one Pro Bowl throughout his entire career, played with the Oilers for eight years. Like nothing at all spectacular. But again, when you're on a one you're on a one thirteen team, you're gonna have slim pickings here. But like you look at their schedule, thirty four to fourteen to the Giants, thirty six to seven lost to the Steelers, forty two to thirteen to the Browns, thirty five to fourteen to the Bears. They beat the Colts. 31 to 27. And the Colts went four and ten that year. Who the Colts have? They had Burt Jones at quarterback. Anybody else in this team that could <laughs> you could say was better than the players on the? I know Burt Jones. Burt Jones was a, a decent quarterback in his time. Decent, decent. Lost to the Chiefs 38 to 14. Patriots 32 to nothing. Steelers 33 to seven. Yeah, not great. Not great. And sadly, Dan Pastorini is probably the best player on this team. Next team, we got the 2009 LA St. Louis Rams. This team was bad. I remember watching this team. This is the year they drafted Sam Bradford. The year going in, 08 draft, they drafted Sam Bradford. This team was brutal. Like, <laughs> they were bad, bad. 
This was merely the lowest point for a hopeless half decade. The Rams went 13 years between winning records, and they suffered at least 13 losses in four out of the five years in 2007 and 2011. They were outscored at least by at least 175 points in each of those four seasons, topping out a period a putrid minus 261 scoring margin in 2009. Your scoring margin is 261 minus 261. Like this team was Kyle Bowler, Keith Nolan, Mike Riley are the quarterbacks of this team. Like Mark Bolger was on IR. Mark Mark Bolger at his best was a good quarterback. And this was his last year in the NFL. He played nine games that year. Then went to Baltimore and then retired right after that. But when he replaced Kurt Warner initially, he was a good quarterback. But Steven Jackson is right now, at least the ones that I could see on this roster, was the best player on this team. Steven Jackson was awesome. Steven Jackson was a freaking monster. And in 2009, ran for 1,400 yards. 1,400. Like at his peak, 1,513 touchdowns. Like 6'2", 240 pounds. The dreadlocks, everything. The dude was freaking huge. Jason Smith. One of the biggest busts in NFL history. One of them. I mean, he played two years on the Rams, one year on the Jets, and then made only practice squads after that. Like, it was not... He was not He was not very good in his time. He suffered some concussions along the way as well, but it did not work out. Did not work. Second overall pick, they had Danny Amendola on the team. Or he was a return specialist at the time. Uh, Chris Ogun... <laughs> Ogunboya, I think he played for Texas. Yeah, I remember him playing at Texas. I remember him at Texas. Anybody else on this team that I should be mentioning here? I mean, the best player, Chris Long was on this team. He was a pre- he's a pretty decent DN in his time. In his time, it was like two years ago. <laughs> oh, man. James Laurinaitis was somewhat decent for a little bit. Unless I'm completely forgetting something, but yeah, Steven Jackson, easily the best player on this team. Easily. Their quarterback room sucked. Next one, we got the 1990s Patriots, the different Patriots to what we know now. They went 1-15. After losing the first game by three and winning the second game by two, the Patriots proceeded to lose their next 14 by a combined margin of 264 points. Only three of those losses were decided by fewer than 13 points, and one of those close ones was a complete embarrassment. Despite forcing five turnovers and committing zero, they lost 17 to 10 to the Dolphins to follow one and five. That was the moment when historical ineptitude became legitimate, a legitimate possibility. They didn't quite catch the 81 Baltimore Colts for the worst scoring differential in the 16 game season, minus 274, but they came close, minus 265. And again, if you're going to mention teams on here, you better have them on the list. There was no mention of the 1981 Baltimore Colts on this list. You can't bring up other terrible teams who are worse than the teams that you're mentioning without having them on the freaking list. Like again, like the NFL in general, Bleach Report articles, inconsistent as all hell. Good freaking Lord. But yeah, 27-24 to lost to the Dolphins, and they beat the Colts 16-14. to And again, this is the year before the Colts were really bad. They went 7-9 this year. Uh, then they lost 41-7 to to the Bengals. Uh, then they went on an insane run of uh, 14 nothing, 34-14, 37-7, 24-3, 25-10, 42-7. That's an unbeatable run right there. And they scored 20 points. Past week one, they scored over 20 points twice. 
and that's when they scored exactly 20. <laughs> Foxborough Stadium, which at its peak held 60,000, they, <laughs> against the Seahawks in week five before their bye week, they had 39,000 people in attendance. 39,000. What a terrible, terrible team. Steve Grogan was the quarterback of this team. Like, and he played for the Patriots for quite a bit. And he played for, he was a long-time New England Patriot. Played from 76 all the way to 1990. Played for one organization. Was more, majority of the time a backup to Tony Eason when he got drafted in 80, 83. Uh, who else do we even got on this team? <laughs> Irving Fryer was on the team. Irving Fryer, number one overall pick from Nebraska. Decent player. Irving Fryer might be the best player on this team. Might be. Uh, Bruce Armstrong, he made a Pro Bowl this year. Uh, he's one of the... You guys number retired by the Patriots, so he could be mentioned up there as well. Off to tackle. Da, 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 da. Anybody else we are completely forgetting about? Oh, Andre Tippett. There we go. No, he's the best. Andre Tippett, Iowa Hawkeyes legend. That dude, number one guy on this Patriots team. Andre Tippett, without without question. Without question. Just scrolled over to the defense. Andre Tippett, the best player on this New England Patriots team. 1990s New England Patriots. Now we're getting to some terrible teams. Psych, they're not even as they're. We're finally have reached two teams, though, that have lost every game. So we're not throwing like, oh, this team was bad, but not worse than the team that lost every single game. We're not having one of those lists. This team is bad. This is the Lions, but the 1942 Lions. Okay, so here we go. The number one team on this list, which is... What? I think they might have edited this list afterwards because the Lions at number two are not number one. The number one team in this list has the worst average margin of defeat ever, but these okay, but these lines aren't far back in the record book, losing by 20.5 points per game. Damn. The defense was awful, but the offense was the most anemic of all time. The Lions scored 38 points in the entire season, which equates to 3.45 points per game. At least the 08 Lions scored on occasion. Again, like we did with the Redskins earlier in the 1956 Redskins, this team did not have a Wikipedia page. Or they did, but he couldn't find anything on the roster. They scored... Wow, okay. They did not score over a touchdown at all this entire season. I know they averaged three points a game, but they scored a touchdown. Ah, touchdown. One, two, three, four, five times in a 12-game season. Five times they scored one touchdown. Other games, they scored zero... In the last game of the year against Washington, they got three. They got a field goal. Like, okay, this team's bad. I'll give them this one. This team's bad. Lost 13 nothing and 14 nothing. Somewhat respectable. And then you lose 20 to 7, 38 to 7. Then you lose 7 nothing. Like, you're that bad. You can't score. Good Lord. 7 to 7 nothing. I mean, hey, the Bills lost 6 to 9 LL this season, the Jaguars. So I know what that feeling's like. Lost the Packers 28 to 7, 16 nothing, 35-7, 27-7, 42-0, 15-3. Wow. Who the hell was on this team? They don't even have a listed quarterback on this roster. Who's the quarterback? Harry Hop had 68 pass attempts this season, but he's listed as a tailback. Who the hell was their quarterback? The only guy that threw a passing touchdown was Ned Matthews, who threw one touchdown and two picks. At <laughs> 53 yards, he threw 22 passes, completed six of them. Are we gonna have a player that's even com- that we can even say is a decent player on this team, or is this team just that lost? I think they might just be that lost. 
Bill Fisk led the team in receiving with 177 yards. Mickey Sanzata led the team with 268 rushing yards. Harry Hop had... What, what is this? Oh, that's kicking punters. I don't care about that. I want points. I would, I'm guessing Harry Hop was the best player on this team. Elmer, Elmer Hackney scored 12 points. He started two games. <laughs> oh, my. Bill Callahan. I, wow. Is Harry Hop the best player on this team? Harry Hop played four years in the league. Now, I understand there was a war in between that, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to bash him too much for that. But, man, what the hell is this? Like, fair play. I can name some players on the 08 Lions team. I can't name nobody on this team. 1942 Lions, the sad thing is we still got one more godforsaken team to go. The card pits. I don't know if any of you guys know what this is. I've heard of the infamous card pits, like, once. And for those of you unaware, this is the Pittsburgh Cardinals. It was a combination of the Chicago Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Card pits. And I don't know why. Pit car, shy pit card Steelers. But they were called the card pits. Like, they were bad. They're, like, there were two teams, like, this season. Now, there, now, this is a little caveat here. When players were serving in World War II, rosters were comprised... Rosters were comprised, so two teams had merged into one. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles did this in 1933 when we were 5-4-1. When the Steelers merged with the Chicago Cardinals the following year, things didn't go so well. So we have war-stricken years. That's fine. Starting, I mean, I get war is, is it's a bad thing and uh, is worse than an expansion team, but like if we're going to have stipulations for one team, you got to have this. Like, this is two teams together. You're going to have a stipulation for another team. Again, we're just... Okay, for whatever reason, this season counted against the Cardinals in the history books instead of against the Steelers, even though the Steelers got three of their five home... Three of the five home games. Because of that, the Cardinals, who went 0-10 in 1943, are the only team that back-to-back winless seasons in NFL history. Tack on six-game losing streaks at the end of 1942, and it's 0-3 starting 45, and the Cardinals hold the NFL record for longest losing streak at 29. And that is even the ugliest part. The card pits... We're outscored 328 to 108. Average margin score of 22 points per game, which another dubious NFL network, another dubious NFL record. I actually got to try and find a player on this team. Okay, so you look at some of these games. You have 30 to 28, 34 7, 34 7, 23 0. For, I think the Detroit Lions, that Detroit Lions team is worse than this one. Like this team, the Lions scored seven points five times. The other times, they scored zero or three. Never scored above seven points in a game. Never. that I cannot stress enough. They did not score over seven points in one game one time. This team scored 20 points three times. So I don't really have a... Why is this team better or worse than the Lions team? Like, I ain't never even heard of that Lions team before. I've heard of the card pits before. And that Lions team, I know why I haven't heard of that team before. Because that was god-awful. Like, John Gregus, 610 yards rushing. The Lions leading rusher had 280 yards or something like that. 
passing. We have competent passers here. Dude threw 131 times. Other dude threw for 60. But six touchdowns to 22 pick, 21 picks. John Griggis, ooh, yuck. <laughs> oh, no, that's bad. That's real bad. 20, six touchdowns, 21 picks. Other dude, John McCarthy, not that one. Um, that's, yeah, that's John McCarthy, isn't there? I don't know. Zero touchdowns, 13 picks. So there's no real winning here with the card pits. But that Lions team, I still hold that that team's worse. I still think that team's worse. Like I, I it hurt going through that one. Bob Thurnburn, Thur, Thurban scored thirty points, but John Griggis is the best player on this team. Even though, even though he had six touchdowns, twenty one picks, he's still the best player on this team, which is bad. But again, I still think that that Lions team is the worst one I've ever seen. I've never seen that before. They scored seven points five times. That isn't that is shockingly bad embarrassingly bad I don't even know how to begin to say that one like is there any other list that have top 10 worst NFL teams of all time was this one this was made in 2010 they have the 016 lines number one they have the O. what why didn't I read this one they had the 014 bucks at number two 2009 St. Louis Rams 91 Colts ooh the 89 Cowboys yeah Troy Aikman's like first year starting Ugh, that was. But they brought in Steve Weiss from Miami, traded away everybody, and you know got really good. Then the Saints. Yeah, I'm surprised no Saints teams were on that other list. The Carolina Panthers. Uh, Chris Winkie. Yeah. 1990s Patriots. They were mentioned. The 96 Jets. Oh yeah, we did a whole segment on the last decade of the Jets. The Jets are bad. That 90s Jets was terrible. The 07 Dolphins. They drafted Jake Long first overall. I think. Is that right? 2007 Dolphins. Uh, da, 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 da. I really don't like that that dude, that person that wrote that article was like, oh yeah, this team was uh, expansion, so they don't inc- include in this list. This had this was the Jake Matt, Jake Long one, right? Their draft picks aren't popping up here. It's kind of annoying me. Yeah, it was Jake Long, first overall. I I don't know. That Jets team, I totally forgot about them. That 19, I, I've heard a saying where this team lost inter-squad scrimmages. How bad do you have to be to lose against yourself? That You are below bad at that point. This one was made in t- July 10, 2022. Who's the worst team on this list? The 76 bucks. How do you not have an article with the 76 bucks on it? That's, that's the confusing thing to me. That's the confusing thing. I don't care their expansion. They still were terrible. They have the 90s Patriots, the 08 Lions, the 2000s Browns, the first year of existence, or second year of existence, and then the first year of existence at number five. Then the 2017 Browns, 81 Colts, 91 Colts, 73 Oilers, 09 Rams. So yes, these are there are some bad teams on here. Like, I don't know how, just because they weren't expansion, like, I, I respect that you put the terrible, terrible teams on there. Ooh, this 71 Bills, OJ Simpson and the rest is pretty much what that team was. Jay Domelier was on that team as well, Hall of Fame lineman for the Bills. But at least I think he was on that. He would play with OJ, but I don't remember exactly which times. But yeah, the if you have a list of the top ten worst teams, I'm glad they went some old teams, like the Lions of the the 40s, the Card Pits, like the 56 Redskins, like that. Yeah, but the 76 Bucks might be the worst. They won't last 26 straight games. 26. 
and the Browns, the Lions, those teams. This is the best one. Yardbreaker, you made the better one by far. You had four, three Browns teams in the top six. That's that's how it should be. That's how it definitely should be. I should have read this list, but I just clicked on the first one I saw, and that was bad. But Courtney Brown was one of the draft picks for the Browns. He did nothing. Steve, uh, Steve Young. Steve, why am I saying Steve? Tim Couch was the set was the first overall draft pick by them. Courtney Brown next. Neither one of them did anything. But you look at them. Rashad Salam, Heisman winner from Colorado, did nothing with the Browns. At least I don't think he did anything with the Browns. He could have. He didn't. <laughs> Played one year with the Browns. That was it. Did really nothing in the NFL at all. Orlando Brown Sr., probably the best player on this team if we're looking really fast because I don't want to spend too much time on it. But probably him. Probably Orlando Brown Sr. Chris Spielman, linebacker. Not great GM, but linebacker. Oh, wait, no. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of someone else. But he played linebacker, not GM. And you look at the 2000s Browns. So you had 2-14 and 14 the first year, 3-13. and 13, So you're like, oh, the up and up. Doug Peterson played for this team. Okay. Uh, Aaron Shea played with Tom Brady at Michigan. Then we got Courtney Brown, like we mentioned before. Who else do we even have on here that I can recognize? Ty Detmer was on this team. Spurgeon win. <laughs> Spurgeon win. Phil Dawson, honestly, might be the best player on this team. Phil Dawson. But yeah, I, yard breaker. I should have read your list. Good lord. Yeah, teams people actually know. And we talked about they. We talked about every team on this list. But good lord, that those the Brown, the Lions, and the Buccaneers had to be top. I don't care if they were expansion franchise. You have to talk about them. And so when we talk about good players on terrible teams. Let's just go over some best players in the NFL on Madden. Now Madden rankings or Madden ratings always divide opinions a lot. Between players, between fans, and it's funny because, like, when fans complain about it, most of the people that are complaining about their Madden rankings aren't going to play the game. I'm one of them. So I thought it'd be good to look through this. Now, not every position group has been named or been revealed. So we got edge rushers, linebackers, wide receivers, tight ends, and that's it. So we got four position groups. So starting off with edge rushers, 99, Miles Garrett. I'm fine with that. I think Miles Garrett, we said this last year when we were doing the tier list about number one overall draft picks. He's a future All-Famer. I have no issue with him being 99. T.J. Watt tied the record for most sacks in the season and played 16 games. I think T.J. Watt should be uh, – he's at a 96. I could argue him being higher than a 96. The dude balled out. Nick Bosa, 94. Von Miller and Cleo Mack at 92. I mean, I love that Von Miller's at 92, but – I don't know. I feel like that's a little high, given what happened. Like, Nick Bosa had 15 and a half sacks. TJ Watt had 22. Miles Garrett had, what, 16. Von Miller had nine. Nine and a half. I, I don't... Khalil Mack had six. I, I understand Khalil Mack was hurt a little bit last year, but I don't... At their best, yes. But I don't know if you can say they're at their best last year. So I, I think 92 might be a little bit high. I don't think either one of them should be rated higher. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Von Miller's an interesting one. Cleo Maxson. I have really no issues with it, but if I had to be nitpicky, that's where I'd go. We got Cam Jordan. He's coming in at a what? A 91. Demarcus Lawrence at a 90. Chandler Jones at a 90. Rashawn Gary at a nine, at 89. 
Rashawn Gary, nine and a half sacks. Rashawn Gary played very, very well last year. Very, very well last year. And I know I just said Von Miller had a down year, but that's the, just the extent of how good Von Miller has been throughout his career with nine and a half sacks a down year. Like Aaron Rodgers' old quote, my down year's career years for other players. That's kind of how Von Miller's work. Like Rashawn Gary had a career year. Von Miller had one of his lowest sack totals last year. Like if you look at Von Miller's career, if this will load for me, which it's not going to because it's, because it's ESPN's website. And, oh God. Von Miller's career low in sacks when he's played a full season. Where's that? Is eight. And he played 15, and that was in 2019. 28, yeah, 2019. And he sat out in 2020. Like, he had five in 2013, but he only played nine games. So I don't know. I I'm I am content with Von Miller being a 90, 92. I sh- I shouldn't really complain about it because I like Von Miller a lot, one of the greatest edge rushers of all time. But do I have a problem with the top dog, Miles Garrett, ninety nine? No, I do not. Uh, linebackers. We got Fred Warner, ninety four. We said this the other day. I think Fred Warner might be the best linebacker in the NFL. Like the teams when we, when we went over the worst quarterbacks that could win Super Bowls. Fred Warner is one of the first players we mentioned with the 49ers. And then Demario Davis was one of the first players we mentioned with the Saints. Demario Davis, 93. Levante David, 92. Bobby Wagner, 91. Darius Leonard, 90. Roquan Smith, 89. Micah Parsons, 88. Eric Kendricks, 88. Devondre Campbell, 87. And Devin White, 85. Darius Leonard, I like Darius Leonard a lot. I like Roquan Smith a lot. I think both of those should be a little higher. I think both those guys should be a little higher. I'm not saying a ton higher because I do think Fred Warner is probably the best linebacker in the NFL right now. But Micah Parsons at 88, like Jamar Chase, is, I think, is at an 87. Like, I I think they should both be higher. Like, Jamar Chase at 87 is kind of disrespectful, especially when you look at some of the receivers that are higher than him. Like, Amari Cooper at a 90. No, Amari Cooper is not currently better than Jamar Chase. I'm sorry. But wide receivers, Devontae Adams still 99. Makes sense. Cooper Cup, 98. Makes sense. Just one was... <laughs> Tried to break the stranglehold quarterbacks have on the MVP trophy. Balled out, led the receivers in every single category, receptions, yards, touchdowns, all that stuff. Tyreek Hill at number three, 97. No issue with that. DeAndre Hopkins didn't play last year, but still a beast when he does. Steph Diggs, 95. Justin Jefferson, 93. Mike Evans, 92. Terry McLaurin and Keenan Allen, 91. And Amari Cooper, like we said, 90. Uh, Terry McLaurin, do I think he should be a 90? Um, Iffy. I think he should be somewhere in the high 80s. I like Terry McLaurin a lot, but I don't know if he's a 90. I don't think he's better than Jamar Chase at this point. I think he's a good receiver, but I don't think he's better than Jamar Chase. Devontae Adams, 99. I don't think anybody really has an issue with that. Devontae has been the best receiver in the NFL for about the past two, three years. Tyreek Hill, I think should be a 98 as well. I don't think there's anybody in the league that could do what Tyreek Hill can do in regards to the wide receiver position. I don't think anybody can do that. Ed Diggs and Justin Jefferson, the battle between the Bills and Vikings, who won the trade and all that stuff. I have no real issues with it. I mean, those two players, it's one of the most even trades in NFL history. It's very rare you could say that, but this trade's worked out beautifully for both teams. Justin Jefferson's rightfully a top 10 wide receiver in the league. Stephon Diggs has developed into an elite wide receiver. He wasn't an elite wide receiver before. He was elite wide receiver in, in, uh, in Buffalo. He was number two wide receiver in Minnesota. So it's worked out beautifully. Just Jefferson, Steph Diggs, all that stuff. It's worked out beautifully for everybody involved. And then tight ends, I think that's the last one, yeah. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 80, 98. George Kill, 97. Fair. The two best tight ends in the NFL. If you think differently, you're just trying to be different. Mark Andrews, 93. Darren Waller, 91. 
I think those are consistently going to be the top four tight ends in the NFL. I think depending on who you ask, you're going to have a different order, but I think those are the top four tight ends in the league. Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Andrews. I have Andrews over Waller, but I, Waller was the first name that popped in my head. And Kittle versus Kelsey. Do you want a receiving tight end or a complete? I, I, you're being nitpicky if you choose, like, critique one or the other. I would take Kittle, but I'm also, I also grew up an Iowa fan. I watched George Kittle at Iowa. I never thought in a million years George Kittle would develop into the player that he has in the NFL when I watched him at Iowa. Never thought that. But he's a dominant run blocker like he was at Iowa. I just didn't think he'd develop in the receiver he is now with the NFL. I would take him over Kelsey. But again, I'm biased. Number five, TJ Hawkinson at 89. No real issue with it. Kyle Pitts at 87. Do I think Kyle Pitts is better than TJ Hawkinson? Again, I could be completely biased on this because TJ Hawkinson's an Iowa guy. So I could be completely biased on it. But I also really like Kyle Pitts. And it's weird to think about Kyle Pitts for how good he was last year at one touchdown. Isn't that weird to think about? For how good Kyle Pitts is. One touchdown. That's weird to me. It might not be weird to everybody else, but that is extremely weird to me. Like it doesn't even that doesn't feel right at all. That he had one touchdown <laughs> and over a thousand yards receiving. TJ Hawkinson, very similar mold to that of George Kittle. Didn't put up insane numbers last year, but when you look at what the Lions were doing, how many injuries they had on the offensive line, TJ Hawkins' job kind of got switched around from being that safety net tight end to being a, we need you to block because we have nobody else here. And he did that well. TJ Hawkins is a very, very above capable blocker in the NFL. TJ Hawkins, if he's not top five, he's a top six tight end. Like, I think those are the top six. I think Mike Isecki has a saying of that as well. I'm from Penn State, he plays for the Dolphins. I think he has a very big say in that as well. Dallas Goddard, yeah, I have really no issue with him there either. And then Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry. I don't know if I'd put Hunter Henry in the top 10. I really don't. Now, saying that, I don't know who else I would put up there for the top 10. Like, if I look around the NFL and look at some of the other tight ends in the league, like, I, you could throw Dawson Knox, say CJ Uzama. You can make somewhat of an argument for um, Logan Thomas. I think would have somewhat of an a somewhat half decent say. Austin Hooper, when he was in Atlanta, definitely had a say, but I don't know what he does now in Cleveland. Uh, Robert Tanyan at one point could have had a say, but he's kind of done absolutely nothing. Irv Smith, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, Mulally Cox and Indy. Who else do you have? Carolina, who's their tight end? No idea. Saints, no idea. Bucks, Cameron Brait. I think Brait could have a say in that as well. Broncos, Albert O. Noah Fant in Seattle. I don't know. I'm not gonna be too nitpicky on the like. He's tied with he's tied for ninth with Zach Ertz. I don't know if I'd put either one of them in the top ten, but. I don't know. It's not my rankings. I'm not going to get too fussed up about it. But yeah, I like if I went through every position group in the NFL and who I thought was the best, how many would I agree with when the NFL rankings? Now, again, this is just four position groups. So we've got quarterback. I've already said it's between one of three. And I'll go biased here just for fun. I'll say Josh Allen. Because again, I don't think anybody, no quarterback in the league is asked to do more than what Josh Allen is asked to do in Buffalo. And I don't think any quarterback can replicate what Josh Allen does. I think Josh Allen could change his game to work to other quarterbacks, but Aaron Rodgers ain't jumping over defenders. Mahomes ain't jumping over defenders. Neither one of them are stiff-armed defense alignment. 
None of them are outrunning linebackers. Like, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that he is the guaranteed number one best quarterback in the NFL. I think they're – I think he – again, I think he does more than any other other quarterback in the NFL or is asked to do more compared to the other top guys in the league. So I would say, Josh, running back is very interesting. I'm intrigued as hell to see what the running back rankings are because when I was growing up, like JYF football, Johnson Youth Football, when we played Johnson Youth Football – the only people that ever did anything were the running backs. Quarterbacks handed the ball off to the running backs. They never threw the ball. And if you threw the ball, it was extremely rare. So, like, if you were next in line to play running back, like, you were playing wide out, and you weren't doing nothing. I don't know what the point of wide receivers were, but they never they were never used. So, running back and LaDainian Thomas would be my favorite player of all time. I have a soft spot for running backs. I played running back all the way up until seventh grade, and then I got moved to quarterback because I threw a ball – on a halfback pass, and the coach was like, yeah, let's move him to quarterback, which was a stupid time to move to quarterback for me because I was so short. And I got bobbleheads on my desk. I'm, I was probably as tall as some of these bobbleheads. I couldn't see Jack over anybody. I had a strong arm. That was it. But I couldn't see, so I couldn't play. <laughs> it took me, like with all the other quarterbacks, there was six of us. I was up to maybe just below chest height on all of them at this time. I was tiny. And then once I started catching up, I was already more skilled than some of them, or all of them. I'll say all of them. And then I started catching up height-wise, and then I just passed them. So it was, you know, but running back is a soft spot for me. I still think I will hold on to this as far as long as I can until I keep getting proved otherwise because he keeps getting freaking hurt. Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the best running back in the NFL. I think McCaffrey is the best player, running back in the NFL because of how versatile he is. I really like Alvin Kamara in that aspect as well. I think Alvin Kamara is very similar to Danian Tomlinson. Like just the way they play, bigger running back. Like LT, 5'10", about 215, 220. Alvin Kamara, about 6'5", 215. 5'11", 215. Like very similar styles. They both got the dark visors. Both have a 1 in their number. Alvin Kamara, 41. LT, 21. Like, I like Alvin Kamara a lot. I understand arguments for Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is an exception to the rule because I don't really like running backs that are extremely one-dimensional. That's just a personal preference of mine, but Derrick Henry is so good at what he does that I can understand people saying he's number one. I think if we're going off just last year, Jonathan Taylor is the best player in the NFL, like best running back in the NFL. I made numerous arguments for Jonathan Taylor winning MVP last year. Made numerous arguments. Because I think if you took Jonathan Taylor out of the Colts, that would change their team so much more than if you took Cooper Cup at the Rams. You took, like, for those, for, I guess, offensive player of the year. Because Jonathan Taylor was doing a lot. It was kind of similar to what Kenneth Walker was doing at Michigan State. You take Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State, they're getting ass-blasted. Like, you ask Peyton Thorne, whoever the hell they have, to throw the football or pass the ball over the place. You saw that against Ohio State. They couldn't keep up because they're not built like that. You stop Kenneth Walker, you stop all of Michigan State. You stop Jonathan Taylor, you stop the Colts. Like, that's just how it worked. So if we're going off just last year, Jonathan Taylor's the best running back in the NFL. If we're going as a whole, I think it's Christian McCaffrey. But I, I understand Derrick Henry. So if I had to do like a top five running backs, I would go McCaffrey. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't do an order with this, but I, this is probably who I would say my top five are in no order. McCaffrey, Henry, Taylor, Kamara, and probably Nick Chubb. Probably Nick Chubb. I do like Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook's definitely up there. I think Joe Mixon's definitely up there. I think Austin Eckler could be mentioned up there as well. I don't want to forget anybody, though, so that's kind of a an issue. 
So nobody in the there's nobody in the AFC East that's a like I think Brees Hall will be an awesome running back in the NFL, but that's just projection at this point. No one else, no one currently in the AFC East is in that top ten. Oh, J.K. Dobbins in the North could be mentioned up there. We already brought up Mixon. We already brought up Chubb. Najee Harris will be mentioned. Up. So the NFC North, AFC North's got a very good group of young running backs. Like Joe Mixon's the oldest one there, and he ain't even that old yet. AFC South, Texans got a thousand not very good running backs. Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson, and Travis Etienne. I think Etienne will be very nice in Jacksonville, but James Robinson's really good as well. Derrick Henry in Tennessee, Denver, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. They're two good running backs. Chiefs, no. Raiders, Josh Jacobs is a decent running back. Austin Eckler for the Chargers. Zeke or Tony Pollard in, T- in Dallas. I've held on to Tony Pollard. I think he's better than Zeke. Saquon Barkley, I keep forgetting about him, but when he's healthy, he's really, really good. He just can't stay healthy behind one of the worst O-lines of football. Eagles got Miles Sanders. Washington's got um, J.D. McKissick and who's the other one? Antonio Gibson. Bears got David Montgomery. Lions, DeAndre Swift's a very good running back. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon in Green Bay. Dalvin in Minnesota. Cordell Patterson in Atlanta. Christian McCaffrey, Carolina. Kamara Saints. Leonard Fournette, who came in at 260 pounds. The Buccaneers, they were not happy about it. <laughs> he came in big. And then we got the NFC West. Who's the Cardinals running back? Is it Kenyon Drake? And Chase Edmonds. Do they have someone else? Oh, James Conner. James Conner. Rams, Cam Akers, 49ers, Debo, and um, Elijah Mitchell. I think that was his name. And then the Seahawks, it's Chris Carson and um, Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny. So if I going through all those running backs, I'm going to try and figure out. I, I said all those team names just to get some names back in my head. McCaffrey, Kamara, Henry, Taylor, Chubb, Cook. Aaron Jones, I think he's top 10 when he's on it. Dobbins, Harris, I think when they're on, and I'll put Barkley in there. So that's probably my top 10 for for running backs. Running backs. Wide receivers, again, I said this when we were going over the ratings. I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL, but I don't think – I think Tyreek Hill is number two. I'd put those two at one and two. And Cooper Cup, based off last year, dude led the league in receive, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins, I think I, – I have really no issue with the top five that they have right here. I think Diggs is up there. Diggs might be number five. Justin Jefferson is a really strong case for number five. And, yeah, I think that's your top five, top six – Tight ends, I think Kittle's the best. Kelsey's right there. You could go 1A, 1B. You don't really care. And then Andrews, Waller, and then I'll I'll be biased and go Hawkinson. I think he's a more well-rounded tight end than Pitts. I think Pitts is a better receiver, better athlete, but I think if you're asking him to run block, which he's not asked to do. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, he's terrible at it. He's just not asked to do that. He split out wide. Hawkinson was asked to block this past year. So those would be my top five tight ends. Tackles, we haven't even gotten to those yet. I'm just going to go best – Tackle, best guard, best center. Best tackle in NFL right now. I think left tackle is Trent Williams, and then right tackle is Tristan Wirfs. I think that's your best two-tackle thing. I think you can make an argument for David Bakhtiari at left. You can make an argument for Ryan Ramchick at right. I think Tyrone Smith at his peak was awesome, but not really right now because he keeps getting hurt. But Trent Williams number one for left. Tristan Wirfs right. Quentin Nelson guard. Quentin Nelson craps on every single guard in the NFL. That dude is 
the best guard in the NFL. And I, I don't really even – I can't really think of any other guards right now. None that come to the top of my head anyways. Joel Batonio, I think, has to get mentioned up there just because he, we talked about him earlier, so he's the first one that popped in my head. Any other guards that I could really mention? Not that I, I'm not going to spend too much time on guards. Centers, Creed Humphrey, I think had an awesome season last year. He might be one of the best centers in the league. Corey Lindsley for the Chargers. One of the best centers in the NFL. Uh, Anybody else on the center market? I think those might be the two best or two of the best right now. Ryan Kelly in Indianapolis has to be mentioned up there as well. But the Browns, the Browns didn't re-sign J.C. Treader, did they? Or did they? No, they did not. They did not re-sign. Oh, Wyatt Teller. Ooh, I forgot about Wyatt Teller. Jeez, I just clicked on the Browns on ESPN. Their O-line's so good. Jedrick Wills, Joe Batonio. I don't know who Nick Harris is. Uh, Fifth-round pick in 2020, so we'll see how he does this year. But then Wyatt Teller and Jack Conklin. That is a very, very strong offensive line. D-end. I think Miles Garrett is the best with TJ Watt right behind him. I think Joey Bosa is a little underrated nowadays, which is crazy saying he got a 91 rated, but I think that dude's an absolute baller. Defensive tackles. Who's the best defensive tackle in the NFL? No one on the Bills. <laughs> he ain't taking no defensive tackles from the Bills. Um, Old school Fletcher Cox. Probably had to get mentioned up there somewhat. There's probably some big name. De- oh, pfft, oh my God. Yep, there is. There is a big name defensive tackle. I forgot his name's Aaron Donald. Yeah. <laughs> the best player in the NFL. Totally forgot about him. Yeah, uh, that's the end of the list for the D tackles. Linebackers, I think Fred Warner. I like Darius Leonard a lot as well. So I think those are your top two guys at linebacker. In my bias, I, I would say biased opinion. I don't, I'm not a fan of either team. So <laughs> I don't know. I almost said biased opinion, but I think those are the two best linebackers in the league. Corner. I'll fold and say Jalen Ramsey, but I think Jadavius White's definitely up there. Cornerbacks, if I had to rank the best corners in the NFL, Jalen, I mean, Jair Alexander has to be mentioned up there as well. He bat out some injuries last year, but that dude is a monster when he plays. Trey White has to be mentioned up there. Marlon Humphrey, when he's on, is up there. Marshawn Lattimore is definitely up there as well. I would say Diggs. Diggs is definitely in that that realm. Like the 12 picks or 11 picks, however many he had, was awesome, but he gave up the most yards in the league. And he's taking risks. It's kind of like Brett Favre. He's, just, he's playing the corner position like Brett Favre played quarterback. He's going to take risks. It's going to be fun to watch, but, man, when he messes up, it's going to be costly. Brett Favre threw some costly interceptions in his career, but when he didn't, he was on, it was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch Brett Favre. It's kind of the same thing with Travion, Travion, Trayvon Diggs. Are there any other corners I'm totally forgetting about? I don't think so. Oh, Xavier Howard's really good as well from the Dolphins. Very, very good corner. Denzel Ward, another very, very good corner. There's just a lot. There's a lot. J.C. Jackson, forgot about him too. Another very, very good corner. Darius Slay, James Bradbury. Those are some good corners in the NFL. That's a very, very good corners in the NFL. And then safeties. I think Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier is the best safety tandem in the league. I think Jarius Bird's very underrated. By the national, I don't think a lot of people really talk about Jerry Bird that often, but that dude is the best natural center fielder in the NFL. Other safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James. Derwin James with healthy might be the best safety in the NFL, but he can't stay healthy. But Minka Fitzpatrick's definitely up there. Eddie Jackson doesn't like the tackle, so we can't really say Eddie Jackson. Harrison Smith's Mr. Consistent with the Vikings. Have to say Harrison Smith. At least just mention Harrison Smith up there. Is that it for safeties? Unless I'm forgetting about someone, Tyron Matthew. I've always thought it's a, a tiny, 
tiny bit overrated. Osman College, one of the greatest college safeties I've ever seen, one of the greatest college athletes I've ever seen, but a little overrated. Jesse Bates for the Bengals is really good. I think Kyle Hamilton will be really, really good for the Ravens. But, yeah, there's a lot of good players in the NFL. Best kicker, Justin Tucker. I mean, that, that that's a short that's a short one. <laughs> best punter? Well, that would be the best punter. I don't even know any punters anymore. I used to know punters. Now I don't know anybody. Best? Oh, Dixon from the Seahawks. Dickinson. I think, I think that's his name. He's the only one I could think of, so I'd probably say Dickinson. Michael Dickinson. Michael Dixon. Yeah, probably, he's probably the best punter in the NFL. He's gonna have a lot of he's gonna have a lot of practice this year. He's gonna have a lot of, a lot of practice punting this year. Am I forgetting any other big name punters? Tress Way for the Washington Commanders. He's gonna be up there. Is that it? Sam Cock just re- Sam. Is that Sam Cock from the Ravens just retired? Can't say him. Long haired dude for the Chiefs. Don't remember his name. But, yeah, I, those are probably – if I had to look at all the best players in the NFL, so if I was making a super team NFL, individual positions, quarterback, Allen, running back, McCaffrey, ru- receiver, Adams, tight end, Kittle, tackle, Williams, slash Wirfs, <laughs> guard, Quentin Nelson, center. Did I even say a center? Uh, uh, Creed Humphrey because he's left-handed center and has a mullet. We'll say him, but Ryan Kelly has to be mentioned up there as well, and, the other, and Corey Lindsley. Uh, edge rusher, Miles Garrett, defense tackle, Aaron Donald, linebacker, Fred Warren, corner, Jalen Ramsey, safety. Who do I want to say is the best safety in the NFL? One of Hyder Poyer. I'm going to be by. No, I'll say Derwin James. I'll say Derwin James. I'll be unbiased. I'll say Derwin James. He'll be the best safety in the NFL. Unless I'm completely forgetting somebody again, I will apologize. But good Lord, we have talked a lot about the NFL today. We talked about a lot of the NFL last time as well. But this time... We're going to stick out for this last little segment. I'm not going to stick too long on this, but we're going to talk about the about baseball because we got the MLB All-Star Game Tuesday night for when I'm recording this. It is an hour from right now from when I'm recording this. And, uh, yeah, baseball still getting their own way every once in a while because, you know, it's fun. Baseball loves blacking out cities that, you know, can't go to the games. It's always fun to black out Montana when you're watching game in Boston. Or Bo- game in Boston, blacking out Montana. That's really cool. Blacked out Yankees, Red Sox when we were over there. That was really awesome. But right now, baseball, is there anything too surprising right now? I guess the White Sox not being very good is kind of surprising. They're sitting at 500 right now. Yankees mashing dingers left, right, and center is not surprising at all. One thing that I, I brought up with my friends on Wednesday, I think last Wednesday, might have been before that, Yankee Stadium has been getting made fun of a lot for their narrow right field. Why is that just getting talked about now? Like, that's been a thing since 2009. Like, the, the stadium's not new. So I don't know why everybody's going like, oh, now Yankee Stadium's bad. It's been that way. It's just now the Yankees have a plus, a run differential of plus 199 that people are like, oh, now I've got a little bit of an issue with it. Plus 199. The next closest one's the Dodgers, unsurprisingly, who are plus 169, LOL. So I really have no issues with the Yankees' right field. Everybody seems to have an issue with that right now for whatever reason. It's confusing as hell to me. The entire American League East is above, or either at or above 500. The Orioles were above 500 for the first time since 2017. So let's give them a round of applause. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Now they have a run differential of minus 7, which is sad. But, hey, you know what? They're 46-46. and 46. They have the same record as the White Sox. The White Sox are supposed to be one of the best teams in baseball this year. The Orioles are supposed to be one of the worst. And they're both sitting at 44, 40, 46 and 46 at the All-Star break. So I see that as a great giant success. The Twins... 
They're 50 and 44. I don't remember what I had them at. I should look at my MLB preseason rankings because I don't remember what I had. Did I even did I post those? Did I post the preseason rankings for baseball? I must not have. I thought I did. 2022 mock draft. And now I'm just going through my notes. 21 predictions for baseball. 21. 22 Chicago Cubs. I, I had to make something, right? 2023 starting QBs. I have nothing for baseball. Mock draft, mock draft, bunch of mock drafts. A lot of NFL stuff. Do I not have any baseball predictions from this past year? I definitely I definitely talked about opening day. I definitely talked about opening day. I remember doing a whole show dedicated to that. Why am I not seeing my preseason predictions for baseball? Huh? Because I did a whole thing and I thought the Cubs were going to be around 500. And they're definitely not. They're joint with a team that right at the start of the season had three wins. And they have one more win than the Cincinnati Reds, which is depressing. They're one in nine in the last ten. That is sad. That is very, very sad. Why can't I find my MLB predictions? There's 2021. I need 2022. 2022 draft. 2022. 2022. 2022. 2022. I don't know. I do remember I had the... <laughs> I remember my division winners, I believe. Yankees. At least I think I had the Yankees. I had the Yankees. I had the Blue Jays up higher than the Rays, but they're one game back from them. Rays just have a crap ton of injuries. I don't know how they're still sticking around, but Shane McClellan has been balling out this year. The starting pitcher beasting it up right now. Starting the All-Star game for the AL, I, I believe. The Astros are still good. Uh, they lost Carlos Correa, but uh, Pena is pretty good as well. Their new shortstop. Played a little bit last year. Still very, very good. Angels stink. Surprise, surprise, they have the two best players in baseball and still stink. The A's, predictably, terrible. We knew that going into the season. They are atrocious. They traded everybody away. Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, everybody else. They have nobody on this roster. Sean Manaya. Everybody, well, Sean Manaya might still be on the team. Hold up. They traded a couple pitchers, but I don't remember if Sean Manaya was one of them. Okay, Frankie Montes is still on the team. They, I used to get those two confused. But yeah, the Central, Royals are bad, Tigers are bad, White Sox are average or bad, what their expectations were. I thought the Guardians would be a little worse. If I remember correctly, I think I had the Guardians going a little worse. I thought the Twins would be fine, or like, not fine, but I think I had them in second, I think. I don't really remember. Uh, the National League, Mets at the top of the division with the Braves right there. I mean, the Braves have a lot of talent, but the Mets just... The Mets were looking good at the start of the year. I think I had the Mets winning the division. If not, I had the Braves. I definitely had the Nationals in last, and I think I had... Because I remember saying when we did this, the Nationals might have the best player in the National League and will come in last. And that's where they are. They have the worst record in baseball right now. They have 31 wins. The A's have 32. And then Juan Soto just, demand, just turned down $446 million or whatever it was. Craziness. NL Central, I just didn't want to finish below the Pirates. I didn't think the I didn't think the Reds were going to be as bad as what they were. Jonathan India missing the start of the season was not great. I know they lost. I know they traded away everybody. They traded away Winker, they lost Castellanos. Like they traded away everybody. Amir Garrett went to the Royals, so I knew the Royals, the Reds were going to be bad. I don't remember saying if they were going to finish below the Pirates or not. I don't remember what I said with that, but I knew the Reds were bad. I thought the Cubs would finish third in the division with the Cardinals and Brewers kind of battling it out for top spot, and they're tied. The Cardinals are, I guess, 0.5 games back because they have one more loss, but the same amount of wins and everything. And the NL West, 
I think that's exactly how I had it. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Rockies, Diamondbacks. I think that's how I had it. I would be shocked if I had any other different thing, every any differently, because the Rockies randomly signed Chris Bryant this offseason. Giants were going to be as good as what they were last year, kind of caught lightning in a bottle. Padres were going to be better, even though they didn't have Fernando Tatis, and the Dodgers were going to win the division, because it's the freaking Dodgers. I don't care what happened last year, they were going to win the division. Where is my... Do I just go to recents? Like, I don't know where my predictions are. Come on. They've got to have... They've got to be on here somewhere. Oh, is this it? Is this it? I think this might be it. When did I edit this last? This might be it. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is it. I don't know if it's my officially official one. Because I, I know I when I make predictions, I make like a thousand different predictions. So this might be the one, my official one. So I think, if this is correct, I had AL East, Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Orioles, which right now it's Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Orioles, which the Yankee, the Blue Jays and Rays are one game back. I just thought the Blue Jays with all the young talent would be better than what they are this year. AL Central, White Sox, Twins, Tigers, Guardians, and Royals. Tigers and Guardians, Guardians are in second place right now. And the White Sox are in third. Twins, I know a lot of people weren't really high on them going into the season because they didn't really know what their plan was. But I, I was like, ah, this division just stinks. AL West, I had the Angels being better than what they were. Wow. I actually bought into the Angels being decent because they have really good players. No way. But uh, everything else, just move the Angels down. Everything else is right. <laughs> I had Astros, Angels, Mariners, Rangers, A's. I knew the Mariners would be somewhat decent. I just thought the A's would be, Angels would be, you know, better. Uh, playoffs, I had the Blue Jays, White Sox, Astros, and the Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox. That was my playoff prediction for the AL. And it looks like from what I highlighted, I think I had the a the Blue Jays being the pennant winner. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Yankees got that one pretty much in the bag. I, I, mean, I guess they could screw it up, but I doubt it. NL East, Mets, Braves, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. Okay, we got that exactly right. Good job. NL Central, Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. Again, didn't think the Reds would be as bad as the Pirates. The Pirates are just always bad. And then the NL West, ooh, I had the I had the Padres and Giants flipped around. Uh, but the Dodgers winning the division, yeah. Giants, Ro Padres, Rockies, Diamondbacks. What's it right now? They're four games back. Two and, a half, two and a half games back from the Padres right now are the Giants. But yeah, then I had the Dodgers win the pennant, which, again, that's predictable. By the Mets, Brewers, Dodgers, and the Braves, Giants, and Phillies making the playoffs. How close are the Phillies to making the playoffs right now? 49 and 43. So they're one game worse than the Cardinals. That that's that can happen. That can happen. Right now in the playoff standings, it would be the Yankees, Twins, Astros, for the AL, the top dogs, then the Mariners, the Rays, and the Blue Jays. So that's your AL playoffs. So if we look at my AL predictions, the only team we didn't have in there was the Mariners and the and the Twins, I guess, for the division winner. But for the NL, it was the Mets, would be the Mets, Brewers, Dodgers, the Braves, Padres, and Cardinals. So, yeah, there's that. Because I think I did knock the Padres a little bit just because of the fact that they didn't have Fernando Tatis. I didn't know how long he'd be out, and he's still out. And then the Dodgers win the World Series. Awards MVP, Vlad Guerrero. 
Uh, no, I don't think it'll be Vlad Guerrero. I don't think it'll be Vlad Guerrero. Cy Young, Lucas Giolito. I don't think it'll be Lucas Giolito. Rook AL Rookie of the Year. That's Julio Rodriguez. By a long shot, it's Julio Rodriguez. Bobby Witt. I don't know what he's doing this year. It could be anything. I don't really care what Bobby Bobby Witt could be hitting a thousand right now. He could be batting a thousand. He's batting two fifty four. Has thirteen home runs. Good season. Very good season. But when you're on par with Ken Griffey Jr.'s numbers, you're not going to lose Rookie of the Year. So we got Julio Rodriguez. MVP at Freddie Freeman. I don't think that's going to happen. Cy Young, Walker Bueller. I don't think that's going to happen. NL Rookie of the Year, I have say Suzuki. It looks like it's going to be Michael Michael Harris from the Braves. Because, yeah, he's playing pretty decent right now in center field for the Braves. Cy Young, though, I haven't really been paying attention to pitchers this year. Probably the Rays pitcher for Cy Young for the AL. NL. Who would be the NL Cy Young Award winner this year? I know Dylan Cease is balling out right now for the White Sox. Didn't make the All-Star game, though, which is weird. Who would be the Cy Young winner for the NL? Kyle Wright. He's leading the NL in wins with Tony Goose Gonsolin with 11. Shane McCallahan. He's leading the – oh, Sandy Alcantara. I forgot about Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, he might win that one this year. And then MVP, I think, Judge for the AL – I think he's got one that one done. And then uh, NL, probably Paul Goldschmidt, which pains me to say that, but it's probably Paul Goldschmidt. 20 home runs, been 330. Probably him. I do think Freddie Freeman's done. I think he has a shot. 321, 13 home runs. I think that you've also got to mention, uh, who was the other player I was going to, I just had a player. I, it doesn't matter. I'm going to spend too much time on this stuff. So, yeah, that's what we've got right now for baseball. Somewhat accurate, somewhat inaccurate. It doesn't really matter. But baseball can't stop getting in their own way. But that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of Logan Blackman Show. It's kind of all over the place. I still hope you enjoyed it. If not, I only apologize. We'll try to get better next time. But remember to leave a rating on a five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And with that, I will see you all later. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Peace.